I'm going to hand over to Eve, who's going to bring us our reading from God's Word. Good morning, everyone. I feel really privileged to read this really beautiful piece of scripture, um, which I've known for a long while, as we all have. It comes from Ecclesiastes, uh, book three, from the first verse to the 15th. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. I noticed that often, when Paul said, if I run towards you, don't worry, it means the mic's not in the right place. <laughs> Thank you. I notice that often when people get up to speak, they often start by saying, good morning, my name is whatever, and I am, and they often give a role, like I am one of the leaders of the church. Um, Well, good morning, my name is Maria, and I am, I have no role at the moment. When um, I've been at this church since about 2007, and I've had many roles over that time, but more recently partly because of um, working away and being busy and all those things, I've stepped back from a lot of that, which conveniently fits really nicely into the theme of, um, of this morning. I think the official, th- uh, official title may have been something like, What Time Is It? and Knowing God's um, Will for Your Life, but I'm just calling it A Time for Everything. And as you've just heard Eve so expertly read the passage, there's no prizes for um, knowing why. Now, as I said last week, it was my birthday, so I wasn't here. Um, I spent, I had some, some time with uh, my family and including my gorgeous five-month-old granddaughter. She's our first grandchild and that was like such a delight. Um, so on Monday morning, I settled down to listen to Paul Ellis's message from last week. And as David said, he's quite pleased that he's not speaking this morning. I have to say that I was quite pleased that I wasn't speaking last week because that was a tricky subject, wasn't it? But um, as usual, Paul did a really good job of unpacking that. Now, I noticed that he said within that 
that there may be a time to laugh coming. I have to say that isn't this morning. <laughs> um, I can't promise that, but I can promise to um, tell you this morning what I feel God has laid on my heart. Now, for me, getting a message together feels a bit like giving birth. The preparation is all-consuming. Sorry, I just looked at David's face then. He's thinking, where's she going? Um, So the preparation is all-consuming. It takes a lot longer than you think it might. Um, Partway through, you wonder if it was really a good idea. Um, and then when it's over, you're really glad that you did it. But then when it comes round and you've been asked again, you forget how painful it was last time and, and you agree. So here we are part way through that process for me. This morning, we're going to have a short overview of where we find Solomon in this passage. Normally, I have to say that I would expand the passage. I would, you know, look at it and... Um, and look at the root of different words and things like that. But I really felt like this time God wanted me to do something a little bit different. And maybe he was just being kind <laughs> because of the, um, the the trickiness of the passage. Um, but I want to be obedient to what I feel God has laid on my heart. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an overview. Um, and then we're going to look at the essence of the passage and how that might apply to us today. And then... We're going to draw it together with an invitation to respond to what we feel God might be saying to us this morning and what he might want to do in us today. So let's start with an overview of a snapshot of where we find Solomon at this point in his life. Partly because, well, for anyone who hasn't been able to be here on previous weeks, and partly because when we look at a passage, it's always useful and, um, I think, necessary to look at context. I once heard Steve Chalk say, to read your Bible better, and that really challenged me at the time. So it's widely believed that we join King Solomon here in his twilight years. Um, in David Pawson's book called Unlocking the Bible, he points out um, that there are three books in the Bible that Solomon wrote, and David's already um, mentioned that this morning, that there's Song of Songs, which he wrote when he was young and in love, and if you've read that, you'll know the language that he expresses in that. Um, And then in Middle Age, he wrote Proverbs, And that's when he was trying to stop his son making the same mistakes that he made. And then towards the end of his life, he writes Ecclesiastes. And in the book, he describes Solomon at this point in his life as, wait for it, disappointed, disillusioned and hopeless. (laughs) Now, when I get towards the end of my life, I'm hoping nobody describes me like that. So we see in these different books in the Bible different stages of Solomon's life. But within Ecclesiastes itself, Solomon also takes us on a journey. He pours out his own human viewpoint and his frustrations, which is where we find him. But he goes on to share his conclusions and his advice. 
In Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, we see that his advice points the reader, the reader, us, to a simpler life in light of God's direction. Chuck Swindell from Insight for Living, and some of you may have heard him on the radio, describes Ecclesiastes as life seen through human eyes, yet ultimately recognising God's rule and reign, and suggests that it's a popular book with those who have suffered more than their fair share of pain, but still cling to their hope in God. That is the heart of what I feel God wants to bring to me, uh, sorry, bring through me this morning to you. A message of hope to those who have suffered more than their fair share of pain. But actually for all of us, um, we go through times that are difficult, don't we? So Solomon starts his journey in Ecclesiastes, which comes from the Greek word meaning to call an assembly or one who calls an assembly, in utter futility, meaningless, which is where we joined him last week. And this is how he saw life, that there was, that nothing made sense to him, that he'd already tried to find meaning and fulfilment through leisure, work and intellect, but still something was missing. But we see that God remains present. The underlying message of Ecclesiastes, according to Chuck, who, in case you didn't get it, was American, (laughs) um, lies in the acknowledgement of God's ever-present hand on our lives, even when injustice and uncertainty threaten to overwhelm us, we can trust him and follow after him. Now, that's a great message, isn't it? And in essence, I think there's a, you know, I could actually stop there. Just going to reread it. The acknowledgement of God's ever present hand on our lives, even when injustice and uncertainty threaten to overwhelm us, we can trust Him and follow after Him. But before you get excited and think you might get an early lunch, there is more to say. So we read here that there is a time for everything under the sun. And in the um, version that Eve wrote, um, it's interpreted as under the heavens. Now, this could relate to us as a church as we seek to find a new pastor. It certainly relates to Paul and I as we prepare to move to a different part of the country. And maybe God will show you what he wants to say to you today. Maybe he wants to do something in you or for you or to give you direction of maybe where he's taking you next. As we reflect on where we've been, where we are now, and where we're going next. Now last week, Paul Ellis gave the understanding of the heart um, as it's understood in the Old Testament to be the intellectual, physical, emotional, and moral centre of a person. And rather than looking at the outward things that we've read in this passage, I want us to think this morning a bit about what those things do to the heart. When we go through some of the things that are mentioned here, our heart can become bruised or broken. In order to protect ourselves, sometimes our heart becomes hardened and we put barriers around it just to stop ourselves getting hurt even more. The problem with that is that sometimes it's difficult to allow God to access our heart and it's difficult to trust that he won't treat us the same as other people have treated us. 
It can be hard to let the barrier down and allow him to become close. There's a song by Bethel Music called Pieces, and one of the people that have recorded that song is called Stephanie Gretzinger. And in one of the versions, a live version, she begins to sing prophetically. And she says, God knows what broke your heart, and he knows where to find the pieces. Now, at the time, that really spoke to me because I felt like there was bits of me missing. I don't know if you've ever smashed a glass and you think that you have got all the pieces, maybe even got the hoover out rather than just the the broom. And then weeks later, you find a shard of glass that you missed. Well, when we try to put our own hearts back together, sometimes it can feel a bit like that. Like there are some bits that have lost and maybe we fear we will never find. I want to reassure you that God knows where to find everything that you feel is missing. He not only knows, but he actively longs for you to stay still long enough to be able to bring healing and wholeness. Healing and wholeness sounds good, doesn't it? But how can we access that? We find healing in God's presence, just being with him. When we look back right to God's original plan to walk and talk in the garden. We don't even have to speak if we can't, just asking him to come and sit with us. We find healing in worship. We find healing in seeking verses that speak into our situation and speaking them out, even though maybe we find it difficult to believe them at the time, we can thank God that we know they're true and ask him to put us into that place or to take us and lead us to a place where we are able to believe them. Write them down and read them often. I um, love notebooks. I've got a lot of them. But um, about 10 years ago, I started write, uh, keeping notebooks this kind of size. Now, this was my first one. It's got a stiletto on the front for those who can't see it. And I just wanted to bring it to show you because in it, I just write little things. Sometimes it's just learn to live loved. God is bigger than my stupidity. Um, But also verses that God has brought me. And when times are tough, or even sometimes just when I'm having a cup of tea, you know, maybe it feels too much to pick up your Bible, but you can pick up a book and you can read maybe one sentence that reminds you of what God has said to you in the past. And I'd really encourage you to do that. Um, It certainly meant a lot to me over the time. I also love listening to songs that express either what I want to say to God but maybe can't find the words or what I feel he might need to say to me or what I need to hear at that time. If you're struggling at the moment with low self-esteem, I'd really recommend listening to a song called You Say by Lauren Daigle, which says all the things that God says about us that maybe we find difficult to believe. Or if you feel that you need rescuing at the moment, she also sings a song called Rescue, conveniently. And, you know, and that is also amazing to just listen to that. Um, I also like to write things down, not just like that, but sometimes express my heart. There's no reason why we can't write our own psalms where we can pour out what we're feeling and then remind ourselves of God's promises. And I think I was having my own Solomon moment when I wrote this. My body aches, my mind is full, my spirit crushed, 
come sit with me. My heart's so heavy, my soul downcast, confused, broken, and just so sad. So please come sit with me. I cannot pray, sorry, I cannot come, I cannot pray your word, I cannot read, but please come sit with me. As I rest with you, as our spirits touch, restore, rebuild, renew, as you sit with me. Now, gladly, I'm no longer at that part, that point in my life when I felt like that. But life isn't linear, is it? We have some seasons that are easier than others. And healing often takes longer than we would like. But to God, we're not a piece of homework that he's rushing on a Monday morning because he's got to hand it in when he gets to school. We're more precious than that. We're so precious to him. He takes his time with us like a craftsman restoring a precious heirloom. In Luke 4, we read that Jesus stood up in the temple and he read these words from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is in me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and restore from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That chapter goes on to promise beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of the spirit of despair, the garment of praise, sorry, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And that sounds like a really good swap to me. He also talks about restoring, rebuilding and renewing. And I think I must have just read that when I when I wrote those words earlier. Paul and I like to watch um, restoration programs on television. And um, when a building is being an old building is being renovated, it always seems to take a lot more time and money to honour the authenticity of the building and to stay true to its original character. Those undertaking the project always seem to say the same thing. It was painstaking work, really difficult, but really worth it. I believe that God extends an invitation today, if you have a bruised or a broken heart, to allow you or to allow him to come and sit with you and begin your healing journey together. We're going to have a think for a moment about guilt and regret. When we ask God to forgive us the things that we've done wrong, he does. But sometimes that can be so hard for us to get our head around. We have an enemy who loves to remind us of all the things we've done in the past in the hope that it will bring a barrier between us and God. But Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later so that there need not be a barrier anymore between us and God. He did that so that we could come close and he could come close to us. We all do things that we regret. But when we have Jesus in our lives, we have somewhere to take that regret and we have someone to help us with it. If you're someone who struggles with guilt, another song that I would recommend is Not Guilty Anymore by Aaron Keys. I know when I first heard that song, I just sobbed because it really touched my heart. Now, I'm someone in the past that has certainly struggled with regret. A bit things that I did and um, said, but more with things that I didn't do or say or things that I was unable to do or say. 
Um, many of you know that I'm doing a lot of travelling at the moment and a lot of driving, and I've been listening to different books on Audible. And I decided to try a novel because everything that I was listening to was really heavy. And um, I downloaded one by Matt Haig called The Midnight Library. Now, obviously, this is a novel. I'm not suggesting that this happens. But the main character was close to death and they got to go back to decisions in their past that they regretted and to live the life that they would have that they would have had if they'd made a different decision. Until that is, they became disappointed in that life also and so went on to a different life. Now, as the book progressed, the character realised that actually she had created in her mind an imagined path, a rosy picture of what would have happened if she had done or said something differently. And when she actually began to live out that life, it wasn't the picture she imagined. It was something completely different. And in the end, she realised that her best life was actually the one that she was leading. And she did go back to be able to carry on that life. And she was able to appreciate the things that she had that she couldn't see because she was so busy looking behind her. It states that the issue in her life was actually more regret than what was actually going on. And I remember um, there came a point in my life that I thought, I'm so busy feeling bad about the past or regretting the past or feeling disappointed that actually I'm missing what's happening today. And that was a real pivotal point for me to turn around and actually, you know, ask God to deal with some of those things that I was struggling to let go of. Regret makes you look in the wrong direction and there's no real answer to what if. We don't really know, do we? Now, if you're struggling with regret, I've got another song that I can recommend, which is by a band called Unspoken, and it's called In His Hands. Sometimes it can feel in life like there's something missing. And I would suggest that God is able and willing to fill that gap. But we need to give him our whole heart, our whole self and our whole life. In the song I mentioned earlier called Pieces, it says of God, you don't give your heart in pieces. He gives us all of himself, but sometimes we can give our heart in pieces. I know sometimes I have. We may feel that it's all right for God to see the bits that we like and the bits that we think he will like, but it's difficult to allow him access to those bits that we think are going to be unacceptable to him, but he's interested in all of you. I've drawn a, a heart here. Apparently it's not anatomically correct according to Ali, but it's what we all think of when we think of a heart, isn't it? And this is what I would like God to see when he looks at my heart. There were plenty of things I could have put on there, but these are just the things I thought of this morning with Michelle's help. Um, kindness, joy, generosity, love, compassion. Okay, so I'm going to put on here, though, anger. I am going to put on here pain. I can't remember where these came from, so I'm just going to stick them in there. I am going to put on here hurt. And sin. 
tempted to get blue tack and put these on neatly. But actually, life isn't like that, is it? Life is messy. And, you know, our hearts can become really messy. God longs to get to the bits that you're struggling with because he wants to help you. He wants to help you let things go that are troubling you. He wants to heal the parts of you that are hurting, to overcome the parts that keep tripping you up, that cause that barrier to be created between you. If you've never heard before that God is interested in you and loves you, he is and he does. If you've been a Christian for a really long time or maybe been coming to church for all of your life but you still feel like there's something missing, I would encourage you to ask God what it is. There are many reasons why we hold parts of ourselves back. But God wants an honest, deep relationship with you. One of the things that I feel God has been talking to me about recently is going deeper in my relationship with him. I think sometimes we can feel like compliant children following the rules or doing our best to follow the rules and doing the best to to do as we're told. But we can find it quite difficult to relax in that unconditional love that God offers us. There is a closeness and intimacy that he longs for. And actually, that we are designed to long for. We just don't always know how to access it. So whatever you know of God, whatever you've experienced, there is always more. Never stop asking God to show you more. Never stop asking him to take you deeper. And never stop allowing him to knock off some of those rough edges that we have so that we can become more like him. In conclusion, Solomon speaks of there being a time for everything under the sun or under the heavens. And this is the only time, actually, that this phrase is used in the Bible. His thoughts and feelings are real, but they are also very human. We can often feel like this, can't we? Um, But our perspective can change when we look to God. Now, I always look up. I know he lives in my heart, but I always somehow feel that I want to look up, especially when I'm singing worship songs. When we fix our eyes on God and remember that he's in control, that he holds us steady through any situation, that he turns darkness into light, that he turns situations round for our good and his glory. If we only look under the sun, life can feel really difficult. It does anyway, can't it? We will face difficult times. That is life. Our heart is messy. That is life. There's no getting away from it. But I would rather face those times with God than without him. And I can testify this morning that I've been through some rough times. And I know that God was with me in those places even when I didn't feel him even when I couldn't pray even when I couldn't pick up my bible he never let me go and slowly bit by bit and it has taken a long time he has led me to a different place a better place 
This evening, the church is going to be open for an encounter-style service. Now, this is something that we used to run. We haven't run one before lockdown. It's going to not be exactly the same. It's going to be slightly different. And for those of you who haven't attended one before, it's a bit like a date night with God. There's no leading from the front. The church will be open. Um, you can sit, stand, lie down, move about, um, as long as you don't distract from anyone else's experience. And it will be open for about an hour from six until seven. Anyone is welcome. Um, in order to help people feel more comfortable, we're going to have one side for people who are more comfortable wearing masks and one side for people who are more comfortable not you can come for part of it or all of the time. It's up to you. If you've never been to church before and maybe you're hearing this for the first time, you are very welcome. Maybe you've been every week for 80 years, you are also welcome. There will be music playing, including some of the songs, well, all the songs actually that I've spoken about this morning. And it will be a time for you to reflect and have your own time with God. There will be prayer if and only if you request it. Other than that, you'll be left alone to have your own time. I respectfully ask that if you come, you don't talk to others because we don't know why they're here. And we want them to be able to have their own experience of God. And, you know, as good hearted as it is to maybe approach people who seem like they might be distressed and we might want to pray for them. If they're in that place and God is doing something with them, what they really need is more of more of God, and we can pray from a distance if we need to. But I would encourage you to really look at your own heart and to see what God wants to say in you or to you. So I leave you with this poem that I wrote actually only a week after the one that I read earlier, and it shows how God met me in that place and how he started to lead me to the place that I'm in now. As I kneel before you, you come kneel with me. You raise my head, you hold my gaze. We take a moment, we breathe. Your touch so light, your word so soft. I open my hand, you take it, we stand. You hold my gaze as we walk.